0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Academia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Laughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we are kind of revisiting a topic that we talked about over a hundred episodes ago. So back in 2019, on episode number thirty-two, we interviewed Kate Tompkins from C Share to talk about kind of what they're doing and everything. But a lot has changed since 2019, and we brought in the development director who is Fiona Robinson. Uh, I'm sure for any seafood industry veterans, that name may sound familiar because she has quite a history in the industry, but that's for another episode that we're going to do. But in this episode, Fiona came on to talk about Seashare, what they do and what 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 you know what has changed uh, since the pandemic hit and kind of what is in the future for Seashare. And it's a really great initiative that they're doing. They've been around for a long time and they're just doing really, really good things and feeding people that need Food, So, it's a really great conversation, but before we get into it, I want to remind everybody, as I always do, to please make sure that you're subscribed to Aquademia, wherever you listen to podcasts, so every time a new episode comes out, it'll
1: be automatically downloaded right onto your device without you having to do anything. And follow us on Twitter, at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact us, whether you want to be a guest, you have suggestions for topics, or you want to be a sponsor... Go to globalseafood.org slash podcast.
0: That's right. And we would really appreciate it if you could take two minutes and on whichever platform you listen to podcasts on, if you are able to leave a rating and review, we really would appreciate that. It really helps us out a lot. And we want to say thank you to everybody that has already done that. So if that's all we got, enjoy this conversation we had with Fiona and we will talk to you at the end. So we're sitting down today with Fiona Robinson, who is the director or development director at C Share. How's it going, Fiona? Thanks for joining us.
2: Good. Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: It's gonna be hard for me to I don't do you usually go by Fiona? I do.
2: Yeah. F- family members call me Fee, but
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say my daughter's name is Fiona, and I always I always call her Fee. So it's gonna okay. be hard for me to to resist that. So if I accidentally slip and call you Fee, don't please don't take it personally. Looks like you're
2: part of the family. <laughs> there we <laughs> it's go. It's all good. <laughs>
0: Perfect. We really appreciate Fiona joining us today because we are going to revisit something that we talked about a couple years ago. So in 2019, we sat down with Kate Tompkins from Seashare and that was over, we've done over hundred episodes since then. That was episode number 32. So there's a lot that's happened, but if you want to go back and check that out, we will link to it in the show notes, episode 32. It's called Feeding the People with Kate Tompkins of Seashare. So we're going to talk about updates with what C-Share has done since then and what you're doing now and and some of your current projects. But before we do that, let's talk about you. What's your story? You know, how did you get into the C-Share world?
2: So I previously was actually on the board of C-Share for eight years before I joined them full-time in um, 2020. Um, And I, previous to that, had been working at United Way of York County here in Southern Maine. And prior to that, I had been covering the seafood industry for almost 20 years, uh, working at Diversified Business Communications. And I was mm-hmm. an editor um, and associate publisher of Seafood Business Magazine and all the various offshoots of different media that went along with that. So lots of seafood industry experience in terms of covering it from you know nuts to bolts, from Sea to plate, if you want to call it. Um, there you go. So that worked 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 well in ter- terms of when I was still at um, seafood business. I joined the board at SeaShare um, with the motivation of you know trying to connect more people with SeaShare and get the um, the show people the need show people in the seafood industry the need because that that is our mission is to it's not just to feed people we're connecting the seafood industry with food banks and trying to facilitate, facilitate donations. Um, so I was in the board for eight years and then, um, lo and behold, uh, my predecessor had a career change. Um, and during, you know, the pandemic had just started, well, we were a few months into it. Um, when she left and it seemed like the right time, the right thing at the right time, you know, everything happens for a reason I say. Um, and, uh, I, Kate left on a Friday, and I started talking to Jim, and it just seemed like the perfect fit. I had been in doing development and marketing in the nonprofit world for five years at that time, and really, I really did miss my friends in the seafood industry. I I will say that um, after being kind of in the industry, covering the industry, but but really being in the industry for almost twenty years, um, there was that kind of nagging part of me was the missing missing all those friendships that. I had, you know, cultivated throughout that, that time. So it was a natural progression in terms of, Oh, Jim didn't have to train me. I knew everything about the seafood. Well, most things about the seafood industry, um, (laughs) more than I would care to share probably (laughs) on this podcast. Um, and it worked really well. You know, I, you know, did, I covered the seafood industry at seafood business, um, hired and and trained Jamie, um, and Steve. And, um, you know, there's that professional side of me, but my husband is also a seafood buyer too. So it's kind of all in the family. It's, you know, we used to say, you try and keep seafood. Um, he, we'd both walk in the door after work and say, okay, no talking about seafood because we just can't handle it. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's been great to be able to kind of cultivate, use those connections to, that I cultivated for so many years, um, and bring them to Seashore now in terms of Trying, still trying to make that connection of there are hungry people out there, you know, 42 million food insecure people in America that uh, rarely see seafood. Uh, So in terms of the change between 2019 and now, obviously the world is drastically different in terms of um, hunger and food insecurity.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I love that you talked about the connections and the friends that you've made in the industry because we've talked about it before how it's it's a massive industry but a very small community and everybody seems to you know know each other and get to know each other really well and it's it's it is funny because you know you you've known Steve and Jamie for so long. We share an office with them now, so we you know, we know them pretty well too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just it, it is yeah. such a small community. And I, I didn't get a chance to meet you until we were in Boston this year. So right. um, yeah. I think I don't I, mean, I don't think I've met I'd met you previously, but um, you know we're so. we're all continuing to grow our networks as well too. So
2: yeah. Boston, which so, I've been re- referring to as the hug fest because there was that yeah. first awkward moment of like, I know these people and I probably know their names but they would just reach out and hug me and I'm like, yeah, hey, we're going right in for the hugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and anyway, you also later, have that part that of your brain that's like Yeah, would kick in and I'm like, oh right, okay, I know you. <laughs> and,
0: th- and this year there was also that part of your brain that's like, um, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable touching other people yet or not. You know, am I there yet? <laughs> and you kind of don't have a choice. In or some you forget cases. and
1: don't really. Realize if other people are like, oh, you know. well I, I guess if we were there, I would say like two percent of the thousands of people that were there were even wearing masks. So I think everyone was just wanted some normalcy. So I was the same. I yeah. was like handshakes. I was like, uh, yeah. uh, I should have maybe asked first. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, did get yeah. sick there. I didn't get
0: COVID, but I got something. So <laughs> uh,
2: like, yikes! Yeah, I would have to say that was the first trade show that I had attended. Well, the seafood in the seafood industry that is, where I wasn't. No one knew. Well people remembered who I was, but I wasn't working for a media company at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So the conversations were a lot um, more genuine, I would say. Yeah, (laughs) right. You better not be writing about this. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't not writing about anything, Um, but still it's hard to, um, and no one knew, you know, yeah, my face hasn't been in the industry for a long time. So um, I caught some eyes of people who are like, who is she? And I'm like, yep here i am
0: <laughs> yes, i'm back um
2: but there wasn't anyone grabbing me and, and trying to get a story in it so the, the tables have turned you know and it's difficult to attend a, a seafood show or any show and be a buyer but you're asking for something for almost free um mm-hmm. yeah. so it's really about for us it's really about cultivating um relationships with folks who have been generous supporters of ours for you know, the 28 years that Seashare has been around um, and our network is growing. You know, we've added, um, you know, we obviously started in the Pacific Northwest. We're based in Bainbridge Island um, off of Seattle and largely used to have most of our donations from companies um, on the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, Alaska and uh, Washington. And now, you know, the goal is trying to expand. So we added uh, Channel Mm -hmm. um, Seafood, Was I think their first big donation actually was the first quarter of the pandemic? um, Was when everyone was in lockdown and there was no there was all this food service product that couldn't had no market. It was just sitting there and had to be moved somewhere. That was a weird time. So it was a really weird time, but thankfully for us, um, we had almost a million dollars in COVID emergency funding, um, and the product from Channel and others were sitting there, um, so we were able to it was channel and Highliner and tried and a few others, but I think the big thing on the East coast was Highlander and channel and mm-hmm. channel was a new yeah. partner at the time. So um, we were able to funnel, you know, millions of pounds of product um, that was destined for the food service industry and put it into food banks instead. So it just goes back to that, like forging partnerships and forging meeting people at shows or wherever that are our new partners um, and trying to, explain to them about SeaShare and kind of what our concept is, a lot of people still kind of shake their head because they don't necessarily understand it where other commodity groups have, you know, like poultry and meat. They've got cargo, they've got Purdue, they've got, you know, big, massive companies who
0: mm-hmm.
2: are, you know, they've a certain percentage of their production line is destined for food banks. That's just the way it is. Seafood industry is so fractured um, and trying to get companies to understand that we will work with them in any way, shape, manner or or form, whether it's a strict cash donation and having us buy product or whether it's them donating product, they don't necessarily, they're not really, they're not geared up in terms of like realizing what a food bank needs. Um, And so that's still part of our mission is trying to get companies to understand is that, yeah, we can take product. We love free donations, hundred percent free, but we will also take product. and that's part of my job as a fundraiser is is getting money so that we can pay for processing when we need it. We have a, you know generous partners who deal with um, transportation and logistics. I mean we're a weird nonprofit in, in that you almost look at us as a um, seafood distribution and logistics company, but we're a nonprofit, mm-hmm. so we can take we can take product from one company and and pay for additional processing because a food bank, you know, we deal with Feeding America food banks. And there's over 200 of them across the U.S., but they have to be HACCP certified to receive seafood. So it's just like being a retailer for them, but they can't take product and slack it out and and portion it. So that all has to be done on the back end um, by one of our generous partners. So we might have to pay for processing to get um, product into a food bank. Um, And that's where kind of the logistics and, you know, the industry knowledge of what's going on and what seasons are happening. Um, and that's, you know, Jim Harmon is our executive director and has been in the seafood industry for over 30 years.
0: So, so, so let's back up a little 20. bit. Sure. Let's back up a little bit because you did say that, it, it, you know, it, explaining and kind of teaching the industry what Seashare does and what their role is and what they do and who they are and everything. That's one of the challenges. So let's do that because there may be people, I'm sure there's plenty of people here. You know, our audience has grown probably at least tenfold since we released that episode. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that have not heard the previous episode about C share with that we did with Kate. So let's back up and could you just explain to our audience what C share is and what you do before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty.
2: So okay, sure. So we're um twenty-eight year old nonprofit originally started in the Alaska seafood industry by Tuck Donnelly, he was our founder. Um, And it was actually founded as Northwest Food Strategies. And he was um, a fisheries observer. And so the original product was actually bycatch. And so we started a program, you know, Tucked, that allowed us to take the bycatch instead of throwing it back over the the rails, we can actually take that product and put it into food banks. So it started as this niche, Kind of the niche industry up in the Pacific Northwest, and gradually grew. So that's a very, very small percentage of what we're actually distributing now. Um, so now we're taking you know top tier product and getting it into food feeding American food banks across the United States. Um, last year we distributed uh, 1.6 million pounds of seafood. Um, the previous year we distributed two million. I think on the average year, you know, pre pre pandemic it would be around one million, so mm-hmm. last year we were able to you know in twenty twenty and twenty one we were able to double um the amount of product that we're getting out to to feeding america food banks um, and that that equivalent it, it equates to about six million last year was about six million servings of seafood um getting out into feeding America food banks, so you know the need is there, you know it's seafood is really hard to come by. In feeding America, food banks and any food bank, um, I think the one of the stats that um, I recently saw from Feeding America was that you know there only about a third of, of food banks nationwide actually have a nutrition program, and that's based on research that was back in 2018. Um, I would probably say it's grown a little bit since then, but they're trying to align the donations with the USDA dietary guidelines, and if. If food banks were going actually going to be following those guidelines, they would need probably another two hundred million pounds of seafood, and oh, we're wow. getting as much product as we possibly can. Um, and we're—it's not that we're just scratching the surface because we are, you know, doing as much as we possibly can. You know, times have changed in the last two years. We used to pay—you oh, yeah. know—if we were paying for product, we it would be about fifty cents a pound, and depending on. You know what product you're looking at now, we're looking at you know double or triple that amount. So my job as a fundraiser is is difficult because you know you have this budget, and all of a sudden you can only get a half as much seafood as you used to get. So the need is there. I mean, just trying to get people to understand that here we are in the seafood industry, and it's not that we take it for granted, but I think looking at the other side of the of the picture and realizing how much need there is. Sorry, I'm sort of going up on a tangent, but um, so so our true mission is to connect the seafood industry um, with donating product to food banks. That's our sole mission.
0: Now, why is there such a shortage of seafood at food banks? Is that because, like you said, the other proteins already have an established program and like relationship with them? Or is it because seafood spoils faster or what is, you know, what is kind of the main reason that there's such a shortage when it comes to seafood? as opposed to other proteins?
2: I would say cost. I mean, the barrier of a food bank, you know, it's a growing trend, but there's only a few of them, uh, of food banks that have clean rooms. I mean, they don't, they're not set up to accept a product like a, a, they can't accept whole fish
1: and then Mm -hmm. portion
2: it out. That's just not the way food banks operate. Um, I actually volunteer at a food bank here in Kennebunk and I see it all the time. I mean, they rarely get fish. Um, and they're just not set up for it. They're not HACCP certified. Um, so, so there's a growing you know, need for clean rooms and food banks, but how much space do they have to allocate to that? And it's gotta be HACCP certified. They've got to select a product and portion it out. So that's where we come in, is trying to partner with seafood processors and get products in what's typically, a uh, it's gotta be a, like a four pound pack so that it can feed a family of four um, that's not necessarily what seafood processor are geared up to, but yep. growing these partnerships, partnerships through the air, we've been able to get processors who will do that for us. Um, and
0: yeah.
2: I think some of our big partners, you know, would be Trident, Channelfish, uh, OBI Seafoods, Highliner, American Seafoods, you know, they're these are, you know, the biggest processors in the company, uh, in the, sorry, in the United States, um, and they're, they're doing as much as they can. So the, the call and the push is really to get more seafood companies or farm products, quite honestly, um, it's a steady supply. It's just that the margins between a, a farm product and wild product are vastly different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to have those conversations now with with um, foreign fish producers in terms of trying to get more product. in. I know there are individual companies who, you know, have philanthropic programs and they're getting product into their local food banks, which is great. And we love that. Um, on our side, it's really trying to kind of pave those relations now to try and get more farm product into food banks. It just makes sense. I mean, they're all over the country now.
1: Would you say 28 years? Is that accurate? That's how long Seashare's been around? Yep. So starting yes. in the great Northwest, obviously before the pandemic. So I guess my question is the range for where your servicing is from coast to coast. Is that accurate? Yep. What, yep. How has the, and I know you've talked about this a little bit, but maybe we can go into some further detail. What has been the biggest challenge with COVID? And, and is that, you know, increased price, which you've mentioned, has transportation become in some of those logistics, has that become more of a, a challenge or has that been relatively stable?
2: Well, for us, it's always a challenge. So we're working with partners to whether we're paying for free you know we're paying for shipping or processing or if they're donating at 100 percent. so every donation is is a little bit different you know Mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's not always cookie cutter i guess is what i'm trying to say on an average year we would have probably 25 to 30 food banks that we're getting product into um across the country last year it was fewer and it's really comes down to like it's everyone is having a hard time with, you know, getting product around. Um and just getting product in general. Yeah. Um is the is the difficult part. Now, I mean, right in back in March, um, right after the seafood show, we had a, a large donation, but you know, costs had gone up. so we're you know, we're paying more to get product, um, and it's not going as far. We have um trying to think of what the top markets are um I think the top food banks or states that received product last year were Alaska, Michigan, Washington, California, and Massachusetts. Um, And the year before that, it was California, Missouri, New York, Washington, and Alaska. So we always have we tend to always have product for Alaska and Washington because on a a fundraising level, sometimes you get grants that are very specific to getting product Mm, into one specific state. Yeah or one region of the state. Um, so we've got generous foundation partners in Alaska and Washington that fuel product always into that area. So, you know, one of our challenges, yeah, getting into more states.
0: I would imagine those logistics are much easier to figure out in states like Alaska or maybe not Alaska, but uh, um, Washington or even Massachusetts, places where on, they're on the ocean and there's there's seafood there's more seafood produced in those states as uh, than somewhere maybe in like the Midwest where those logistics might be a little more difficult to get product that is coming, especially like wild-caught product coming from the
1: coast inward. Or the food banks too. That. Like They may not be set up for that if they're far enough away from that seafood supply. Yeah, for yeah.
2: sure. I mean, we've broken into a few markets that we hadn't gotten into before, food banks. Um, I think Nevada was the first one. Like We hadn't ever... Gotten into Mm -hmm. Nevada food banks in Nevada before, Um, so there have been a few kind of new things that because of COVID um, we were able to get into certain markets um, that we hadn't gotten into before. Um, But largely, it's right now it's coming down to finding fish. I mean, everyone is struggling with that right now too. Finding it at an affordable price, um, and which is even harder for us, um, is to be able to stretch that dollar um, and get fish from wherever we possibly can um, whether it's wild or farmed.
0: Would you prefer, do you have a preference on like, if someone is making either a, a monetary donation or a donation of product, do you have a preference there? Would it be, is it better now because you have to stretch that dollar so far? Is it more beneficial to get a donation of an actual product from a company?
2: Uh, yes and no. I mean, we need both things equally. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I found a, uh, Grant, if it has stipulations um, to get product into a certain market, that's all well and good. But we know that there's food banks in other states that need product just as much. So yeah. if we have you know cash in hand, it lets us get into the markets where we know there's a deficit um, versus getting product and trying to figure out where it needs to go. So we don't have a warehouse. I don't know if, if folks realize that. It's not like we have a warehouse. And right. Seattle, um, so we're paying for we're warehousing you know in various markets, so
0: right, so say you had like a processing company in Seattle that wanted to make a donation of however many pounds of this product. you would take care of figuring out how that product gets picked up, where it gets shipped to, and and all that, right? That's kind of your role in it
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, a good example of that is the um, donation last year in Alaska to the Yukon um we didn't we were facilitating that donation and that those were donations of product from um, alaska processors that wasn't something that that we started ourselves um that you know they came to jim and said can you facilitate this we said well yeah of course we're going to do this so we weren't paying for product to be processed we were basically The facilitators and trying to deals with the bills of lading and the shipping and making sure the product got from point A to B. Um, Mm -hmm. In Alaska, that's not easy.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah.
2: You know, you're getting stuff. You know, invariably by barge into these really small, remote communities. You know, especially on the Yukon. So that was a huge product. That was a huge project for us, but it wasn't something that. was eating up all of our budget. It just took a lot of logistics and, mm-hmm. and, um, sweat yeah, equity. And,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. So w- what is, um, the current status for this year? Are you kind of on track to meet your goals? Are you, cause I, I assume that you're, I don't know what your goals are for this year, but you said last year you did 1.6, the previous year you did 2 million. Are you kind of on track to be in that similar realm this year or are things more difficult now?
2: I think we'd be hard pressed to meet one point six million pounds again this year, and that's six million yeah. servings. Um, I don't know if it's going to be kind of kind of a what we would call a normal year of of roughly one million one point two million. It it might be more like that because um, just trying to find affordable product is
1: a um, challenge. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. it's a challenge right now. So, and that that's really hard because with the cost of energy and food prices being, you know, 24, I think 25% higher than they were before. It's not like there aren't hungry people out there that that problem is never going to go away. Um, and we've, the pandemic has, you know, I think food insecurity in general had, had dropped by leaps and bounds and then COVID hit. And,
0: Hmm.
2: you know, the amount of people that are struggling now is, um, it's
0: sad. well it's, it's it's interesting because stuff got really really cheap <laughs> during the pandemic at one point and now everything is ridiculously expensive so i can only imagine that, how much those numbers fluctuate and you need to keep such a, a strong sense of what's going on in those markets to be able to to move with them so that's that's uh, yep. i'm not jealous of that <laughs> of you um <laughs> But it's really yeah, commendable. I yeah. mean, this is this is really really important, and this is really good work. Did you find that when you kind of introduce your process and, and what you're doing to potential supporters to grow your network and stuff, is it easy to get people on board because it is kind of like doing the right thing, or is it more difficult uh, because prices are so high and people are hesitant to contribute?
2: I, I would say it's always been difficult. It's not that the seafood industry isn't uh, philanthropic. It's mm-hmm. um, it's really the margins. I mean, they're they're it's not like any other commodity. They're dealing with very fluctuating um, prices yeah. and a wild product. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have, that's not, and there's no other commodity like that. So it makes sense that, you know, it's easier to get, you know, meat, poultry, pork into food banks than it is to get seafood. But, you know, it's, it's a lot to do with price and all the vagaries that go into dealing with a wild product, mostly wild product. I mean, you can product too, and you're still dealing unpredictability. Yep. yeah.
1: So. Well, I'm sure we have producers, organizations, companies, individuals that are subscribers or listeners to our podcast. And if any of them are interested in moving forward or have suggestions or want to help themselves, where should we point them to?
2: So then go to our website, um, cshare.org. They can email me, Fiona at um, It's it's pretty, we're on social media, um, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Um, so it's pretty easy to get in touch with us. It just takes, you know, an email or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Pick up the phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, we'll and make call. it even easier we're, we're because we'll, yeah.
1: we'll put all of that yeah. information in one spot so they can decide their, their awesome. best method of communication.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, we have been running a, a social media engagement um, program for the last couple of months just trying to get um, more eyeballs on c-share and what we do kind of mm-hmm. outside of our industry um, so that's that's been interesting and it's heartwarming to see people reach out it's, a, it's still disheartening to see um, one of our challenges with that has been vegan activists um, oh, God, I know yeah. some of your <laughs> past <laughs> episodes have talked about documentaries and CC conspiracy and that's kind of I listened to those interviews with um Ian Roberts and a few others and um I, I just got to laugh cuz we're living and breathing that that whole problem now mm-hmm. just trying to run social media engagement programs and and having and being attacked by vegan activists it's not it's something pretty industry that, I mean, wide
0: and yeah. Yeah. it can get really nasty <laughs> so it's a it's oh, a yeah. fascinating yeah
2: one. I like, mean I <laughs>
0: I, some of, as, I, I, um, I won't get into specifics, but after that episode came out, some of the stuff that was said, even personally about myself, Justin and Maddie, was nasty and vulgar and just, it's crazy, these people. Man.
2: It is Oof. crazy. And I, I thought I was foolish enough to think that it wouldn't happen. We're Seashare. We're trying to feed hungry people. Yeah. What's wrong with this? You know, how could people have a problem with this? Oh. Oh, yeah, there are people out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, if know, that's I've what they want to eat, they can to... go hungry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, it is crazy. So, yeah, I spent weeks just on social media trying to uh, knock down trolls. <laughs> just, yep.
0: So It's not worth it. Know, we're, it's not worth it.
2: You no. Know, but we're doing our best to get the word out there. And, you know, it's pretty easy to get in touch with myself or Jim. Just reach out. Go to our website. Um, go on social media. Whatever you know, we're we're happy to work with new companies. Um, just trying to feed hungry people, you know, the healthiest yeah. protein on the earth, yeah. you know. And um, we're oh, I've been personally involved with the Seafood Nutrition Partnership, um, Seafood mm-hmm. Eat Seafood America, yeah, um, for the last well since it launched. Um, so I'm re- eagerly waiting to see you know what happens with the potential marketing campaign. That's you know. Personally, yeah. having covered the industry for almost twenty years and now looking at the need that's out there, you know, that Jim always says a rising tide lifts all boats, and that he's right. I mean, if we can get more people to understand that seafood, the nutritional value of seafood, we could potentially get more seafood into in, into food banks, into feeding America food banks. So
1: I say this a lot on, on the show, but the movements we try to make don't happen overnight. And it is like, a, it is a collaborative team effort. And just being part of this podcast, it's amazing to see all the collaborations and innovations and things that are taking place really to raise that tide, so to speak. And I think we're, we're getting there, right? We just, we wish it would happen faster, but just, yeah. we got to keep doing the good work.
2: I mean, we've said the same thing about sustainability. I mean, I vividly <laughs> remember the early days of. Uh, producing a sustainability buyer's guide, and Steve Headland would know that because he was one of the ones who wrote the first articles. And this was back in I think 2006, 2008. And look how much sustainable. And at the time, we're you know, you know, we publish these things, and then we kind of sit back and go, "Is this really going to take it? You know, is this really going to take off in the seafood yeah. industry?" And and half of me is just going, shaking my head, going, "Nope." It's not gonna happen, and then here we are, <laughs> how many years later, and it's it's part of the industry and and uh if you if you're not if it's not on your radar screen, then you won't be around for long mm-hmm. um so I, I yeah. gotta hope that the same thing will happen in terms of uh awareness of feeding you know average American seafood and getting them to eat two to three you know servings of seafood a week so
0: uh, that that well, is, a and challenge. especially
2: food banks. You know, we're dealing with food insecure people who, their challenge shouldn't be what, you know, feeding their family a nutritious meal. Their challenge is is you know, finding jobs and a steady source of income, and they can't mm-hmm. do that if they're eating, cheese puffs and, food that's not nutritious. Yeah, it mm. shouldn't be all the you stuff know, that my kids shouldn't be an eat. argument in America now. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, you know, my kids eat too, too, but. You know, if we can feed them a nutritious meal of seafood that is full of nutrients that, you know, boost their immunity, especially during a pandemic, it's a no brainer yeah. for me. You know, it should Absolutely. sustainability is a no brainer now. You know, feeding hungry people should be a no brainer for people as well.
0: Uh, I'm curious, Do you ever get pushback from any of the food banks that you, that you would like to work with because seafood is kind of a difficult product to use? Or are they always no. kind of pretty accepting? Yeah, I would imagine that they take, yeah, take what I mean, they can get, right? They're more than more than uh, happy to accept anything that's coming their way, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, I think personally working with, you know, volunteering here in, in Maine at food banks and, and now professionally on the seashore end of things, you know, food banks aren't discerning. They'll take what they can get as long as it hasn't been expired. I mean, part of the donation program, we'll deal with, you know, dents and discards. Some, you know, bigger processing companies have You know, allocated product because they, they, it comes back because it's dense. It has been discarded because they can't sell it. But that, Hmm. that's perfectly good product. And we, we, you know, shout out to companies who are dealing with that as well. We will move that product. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin.
1: Yeah. I was just going to, I was going to add just what we talked about the last 60 seconds when we were talking about, you know, that collaboration piece. We talked about sustainability, but also education and supply, right? So as a consumer, if you're, or, um, if you're looking for food at a, at a food bank, for example, right, it's that, okay, well, see, if, how do we educate people on the value of seafood so that they're making that conscious choice because of the two to three servings a week, but also they have to have that availability. So it's, there's all these pieces that are working together for this to be successful. And so a lot of people, Focusing on those certain areas and and you know again I'm probably just repeating myself from what I said a few minutes ago but really it's just that that combined effort that hopefully will continue to move us forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So
2: I mean, I,
0: looking forward, uh, I was I don't know if you wanted to continue that sh- that thought. I was going to look into what's coming for SeaShare in the future, but if you had something else you wanted to say, no, there's a not, bit of a lag. That's why we keep talking good. over each other. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Um, what's coming? Well, obviously, we need more fish. What's coming up soon is, um, well, I'm attending the Food Waste Solutions Summit in May in Minneapolis. So that's been a movement that we've you know, been monitoring and have been a part of. And that started by uh, REFED back in 2015. So this will be the first time since you know, COVID hit that that summit will be back in person. Um, mm-hmm. And our executive director, Jim Harmon, spoke at one of their um summits pre-COVID and um so it'd be it'd be nice to get back kind of to another in-person event um and that's you know we're you know early in the COVID that was you know trying to take all this product that was going to go to waste and get it back into get it into food banks instead of having it go to waste was a you know big thing for us so we're continuing to look at that stuff i mean there's not as much product in the pipeline um but we're still you know, monitoring that the whole food waste, you know, trying to reduce food waste in the United States is a huge undertaking and, you know, dozens and dozens of big companies and foundations and, um, nonprofits are working with the Refed program now to, um, their goal is to a 50% reduction in food waste by 2030. So that summit's in May. So I'm heading up to that. Um, we are going to be, um, Let's see, the Race to Alaska, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, mm-hmm. but that's a um, race from um, Port Townsend, Washington, up to Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, so Team Pure and Wild is, um, is uh, I guess, what you would call a sponsor. So you'll see our logo on the hull of their sailboat. So they, they won it a few years ago. So we're excited for that, um, to get the word out cool. about Seashare. And um, they're great partners with us. So. Um, that'll be in June, um, national seafood month in October, mm-hmm. you know, end of year stuff for us is, is a big deal. So, um, we're a small enough nonprofit nonprofit, you know, we're, I'm doing fundraising year round, but year round is still a pretty big deal for us. So, um, we're working with a couple, couple of companies that do employee giving programs, um, E foods, um, Trident, Unice. We'd love to see other companies um, join the fold in terms of um, a lot of companies do corporate, you know, employee philanthropy programs at the end of the year. We'd love to, you know, work with any and all companies that are interested in terms of um, giving back to the seafood industry, Seafood um, industry giving back via c
0: Justin, did you have anything else that you wanted to to talk about?
1: No, I, th- I, th- I think we covered it. I want to just reiterate that any of our listeners that want to support this great cause to follow the links for contacting Fiona or C-Share um, in our show notes.
0: Yeah, cshare.org. Fiona, is there anything else that you would like to get out there while you have the platform? Anything else that you think our listeners could benefit from or should definitely hear?
2: The only thing I would say or add to this whole conversation, which has been great, and thank you so much for the platform. Of course. I've always lived by the mantra of, of treat other people the way you want to be treated. And I think in the seafood industry, we take that for granted because we're around fish all the time. But just sit back and remember that food bank customers deserve to eat seafood too. You know, they're dealing with a myriad of life issues mm-hmm. and eating a, a healthy meal shouldn't be one of them. So let's treat people the way they want to, you know, they deserve to be treated. They need a nutritious meal. So if I was going to end with any kind of message, it would yeah treat other other people the way you want to be treated. If you were down on your down on the dumps and having to deal with getting your meals from food banks, you would want a you know variety of pro you know nutritious protein nutritious options, and yeah. hopefully seafood will continue to be you know continue to be to be one of them.
0: Well said, awesome. Um, thank you so much for joining us again. This is Fiona Robinson from SeaShare. We really appreciate you getting on, and and I'm glad we could pull it together. Uh, and I'm glad you're feeling much better. So thank, thank you, you, you again, and thank you very much. We I will... appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And we'll talk to you soon. All Bye-bye. Folks, that was our conversation with Fiona Robinson from Seashare. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And I hope that you'll consider working with them to help them get seafood to people that need healthy, nutritious food. If you're not already subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen, please make sure you do that so you can get all those new episodes automatically downloaded onto your device as soon as they become available.
1: We are on Twitter at AquademiaPod. Go ahead and find us and click follow. If you want to contact us, whether you want to be a sponsor, you have content suggestions or want to be a guest or know someone who would be a great guest, fill out our online form at globalseafood.org slash podcast.
0: That's right. And lastly, if you wouldn't mind, we would love it if you would take two minutes of your time to just leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out a lot and we appreciate everybody that's done that. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.